this opportunity came up it was a unique opportunity that basically Rick and uh, Zim, you know, they, they created a, that opportunity for me. So I've got them to thank for that. I'm excited about joining the Vikings, enjoying the staff. Look forward to getting to know the players, uh, all the coaches, and uh, getting a feel for how I can contribute the most here to this situation. Vikings fans, this is Chris Corso, your host with the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode 25, the first of the 2020 offseason. I have producer of the show, Jay Nelson, here. Hello, hello. And it is finally time to get back to talking Vikings football. We took a little bit of a break on you guys. Um, We were able to really switch some things around at TCO Studios here at the Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. So the radio studio you will see on camera looks brand new um, for some of our shows. So, Jay, how's it going today? We did a little house cleaning, a little uh, reorienting. We try to get the feng shui working in this room here. And uh, it's been good to to take the last couple weeks to try to get everything squared away as much as we can, do a little bit of debrief on our side, and then jump back in here because the NFL never stops. It's 24-7, 365. And uh, the offseason of the 2020 is basically upon us, but everyone's already in full swing getting ready for things like the combine and and free agency moving forward here. So during our break, the Super Bowl took place, which it's been a little bit since that happened. The Kansas City Chiefs with a 31-20 victory in comeback fashion. I'll be completely honest here and say that I was – I was completely in the 49ers camp after seeing what they did to us and seeing what they did to the Packers. And I know that the Chiefs offense is is a totally different animal when you've got somebody like Patrick Mahomes doing what he's doing. But uh, I was I was pretty shocked. You know, after the first series when they they held them essentially three and out, I was texting with a couple of our uh, other coworkers and stuff, and I was just like, well, congratulations, Kansas City. Welcome to a long day because that 49ers defense was was all over them to start. And and literally they held it that way until there was about 8.33 left in the game. And that was when, you know, Mahomes was just like, all right, I need three scores. Let's uh, let's make this thing happen. And, and it was surprising to me in the way that they did it, not that Mahomes was able to do it. I mean, they proved the entire playoffs that they could come from double-digit deficits in every single game. But just seeing them do that against that Niners defense was the thing that was surprising to me. A few things I want to touch on. The first thing is that Patrick Mahomes showed you can never count him out. Yes. And that was in not just the Super Bowl, but it was in every single game of the playoffs. I mean, comeback victories from 21-plus points against the Texans. I mean, they came back in in their uh, AFC Championship game as well against the Tennessee Titans. So um, that is exactly what happened in the Super Bowl, being down – what were they, down two possessions when uh, Mahomes throws that second interception of the game? With uh, Don't count them out, especially no. against one of the best defenses in the NFL. But uh, my second takeaway is going to be Vikings-based, and I think it's going to be the fact that the San Francisco 49ers showed that you can make a Super Bowl run with a great defense and a great running game slash very capable quarterback in big moments, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. And I was speaking with a few of our coaches around the building here, and they were going through position by position, and they're like, you know what? That could have been us. So that could have been the Vikings. 
He, they, I mean, the coaches say we're better at quarterback. They like Kirk better than Jimmy Garoppolo. We're better at running back. They like Dalvin Cook better better than the stable over there. There's a few places where you can say, you know what, we'll throw it to San Francisco. But on paper, a lot of similarities with this Vikings team. I, I don't know if you agree, Jay. Yeah, we touched on that in previous episodes here, the MVP. And, and one of the things that came up was, talking about how well Shanahan was at trying to scheme into perfect matchups, you know, getting a quicker guy on a slower defensive player and making that happen for their offense. And for the majority of that game, they were doing that against Kansas City. I mean, like you said, they were up 10 points on them there in the fourth quarter, and, and, and you're, you're looking at this trying to figure out, are they going to be able to hold on? Are they going to be able to keep them in check? Are they going to be able to do this for the entire four quarters? And, you know, we all know how it shook out with Mahomes doing Mahomes-type things. But the thing that really seemed to help them was defensively when they locked down on their running game and tried to make them a little bit more one-dimensional. And I don't know if San Francisco went into a little bit more of a a conservative play calling and that they were just trying to run the clock and give up the middle of the field. But the thing that's scary about those Kansas City Chiefs with the weapons that they have, the speed they have, and then the talent they have throwing the ball – they were able to make them pay, and, and boy, did they ever. Absolutely. It seemed like the game kind of took a turn when San Francisco decided to start throwing the ball with seven minutes left. But um, we'll end it there because we have a jam-packed episode for you Vikings fans today. We had a special guest on the show, a friend of the show, um, new Vikings wide receivers coach Andrew Janoko, who spent the past five years with the organization um, as an offensive line assistant, learning under guys like Tony Sperano and Pat Shermer. So it's cool to see him get a promotion along with a bunch of other changes on the Vikings coaching staff so a lot of things to get to today um, including we're going to go over the Vikings all decade team Um, that will be unveiled over the next two weeks on on Vikings platform so we're about two days into it so we'll we'll touch on um, what some of the uh, panelists that we had in here um, they all made their picks so we'll we'll have our comments on a few of those position groups um, as well so a lot of things coming up here for the Minnesota Vikings podcast Jay I mean it's good to be back we're we're, we were down for a little bit we were definitely down and and down in the dumps after the Vikings took that tough loss in San Francisco but it's, I mean, football never sleeps. No, it's time to ramp it back up. And that's the thing is I think everyone kind of has a different feeling for it. I mean, for a lot of these guys, especially coaches, they've been grinding since basically July and going six, seven days a week. And I think it gets to the end when it finally, the thud finally hits and it's the end of the season. You kind of take a second to breathe a little bit more to get a little bit extra sleep, try to take care of yourself a little bit. But for these guys and especially scouts, Everyone kind of has a different cyclical nature of the way the season goes, and there's there's a lot of people who for many, many months have already been grinding on things like the Combine and looking towards next season and making sure that they can kind of restock the shelves here with the team. And uh, it's exciting to finally see this kind of stuff happen. So change always happens in the NFL. You always see not only players but coaches. And so we've definitely had some of that kind of stuff happen this offseason. So uh, let's dive in a little bit and look at some of the coaching changes that have happened. Yeah, let's do that. Jay, we're going to start quickly with the coaching subtractions because we know this is a business. These guys come in and out of here. But one guy who did not come in, in and out of here was Coach Kevin Stefanski. He was here for 14 years, started as a quality control coach. I mean, he's pretty much done it all in this organization. You heard Coach Zimmer and a bunch of the coaches um, address the media on Tuesday, um, February 11th, and they had nothing but good things to say about Coach Stefanski, who has taken the head coaching job 
with the Cleveland Browns. I think uh, you might know from previous podcasts, I, I, I made my ode to Kevin Stefanski on one of the shows, and you inside gave me a little bit of a hard time for that, but that's totally fine. And I think the reason why is because Kevin was such a good dude, and, and like you said, the other coaches all talked about it as well, just saying, yeah, it's a loss to have somebody like that and, and the quality of person and the talent that he was leave. At the same point, I don't think anyone faults him for taking a head coaching job anywhere. He's one of 32 people running an organization at this point as a head coach. So kudos to him for the chance that he has, and, and and I don't think anybody faults him for taking that chance and going for it. Looking at a couple of the other subtractions, obviously when you have a coach leave like that, he's going to take a few guys with him. Um, these next two guys are good friends of mine, so congratulations to them. Drew Petzing, um, our wide receivers coach from last year, has also been here for about five years. Um, he goes to Cleveland to take the tight ends uh, job over there. Jeff Howard, who was a defensive assistant and quality control coach here, for a number of years. He's going over to Cleveland um, for defensive backs and pass game coordinator. And one that really, those really touched my heart. Drew is a really good friend of mine. Um, But Rob Rodriguez as well, who was the defensive line assistant, he came in the other day and gave everyone a hug. Um, He is going to have his own defensive line group after learning from all those years under Coach Andre Patterson. And he's going to work for for Herm Edwards over there at Arizona State. So uh, he made a nice joke to me when he was saying goodbye that yeah my family is not gonna miss the snow when they're uh sitting there in in arizona (laughs) that's the thing like for him he was a utep guy uh, texas el paso and so i'm sure for him the the warmer weather and everything is going to be great for him and his family at the same point he's going to work for herm edwards at asu you know a top quality program at the pac-12 and uh kudos to him and for everything that he's done he was always a good talk in the hallways he was always somebody that was willing to kind of give you some time and, and talk about other things outside of football that's the best exactly and and, and it was you could tell that he was a, a family man and I think when he got this opportunity to be able to run that defensive line program the way he wants to uh, I think Andre Patterson and those guys loved having him around and having him be a part of the program and I think he's been learning from the best and uh, I think that ASU program is going to jump leaps and bounds because of him being there. So we touched on a lot of the younger coaches who have uh, gone on to bigger and better things but um, also secondary coach Jerry Gray who's been here for a very long time, been a coach for over 30 years in the NFL. Um, he took a position with the Green Bay Packers so he is no longer with us. We're going to touch on all of our additions coming up but thanks to Coach Gray for um, everything he did here. Like I said, another great guy and a guy that's very well respected around the league. But moving forward, I want to touch on the staff that Mike Zimmer introduced today at the TCO Performance Center. I think we're going to have to say it's headlined by Dom Capers joining the team, being the defensive coordinator for all those years with the Green Bay Packers. And Coach Zimmer just adds another what he called an idea guy to his tool set um, on the defensive uh, side of the ball. So, I mean, when you have one of the best head coaches on the defensive side of the ball and you add someone who's had decades of experience designing, um, creating pass rushes, um, I think that's really what Dom Capers brings to the group. I think the thing you're starting to see as well, and we we talked about it last year when when Kubiak came in on the staff, he's surrounding himself with other people that have – head coaching experience as well. And and I think what that does for him is it lets him know that he can trust them to understand what he's going through so that if he has a question and he's got to focus on something else, those guys can help provide guidance on areas that he might not have a second at that point to, to fully focus on, but he knows he can trust them. 
because they've been there before, whether it's the defensive side of the ball with Dom Capers, offensive side of the ball with Kubiak. He knows that they know kind of where he's having to, to handle his business, and they can pick up the slack on those other pieces and just kind of go, eh, maybe we look at it a different way. Because I think one of the things that, that Zim has been really, really good about is scouting themselves. You know, they talk about in the offseason and even during bye weeks, coaches will sit there and watch film on themselves. Offense will break down defense, defense will break down offense. You've been running the same kind of scheme now for a couple of years. So what does he do? He brings out in an outside guy like Kubiak to say, okay, if we want to try to run this other offensive scheme with Kevin, how do we do this? On the flip side now, he's looking at his defense saying, there have been holes and flaws in our game that other people have, have gone after in the last couple seasons. How do we try and shore that up? How do you do that? Take somebody who's one of the best minds in the game in that position and have them jump in and say, here's what I see, and maybe you didn't see it that way, and hopefully that'll help. So I was able to talk to Dom in the hallway when he was doing some interviews around here, and I said, Coach, you, you're adjusting to Minneapolis here? How you do? He goes, I've been around the block a few times. I've been a coach at New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Jacksonville, Houston, Miami, Green Bay. This isn't like anything new to me. He's like, I, I was in Jacksonville for a year last year. I taught some of those guys. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's been around the block, as most of you Vikings fans already know, going against the Green Bay Packers uh, so many times uh, each year. But um, cool to add a, a, a mind that has been just – gone through so many decades of the NFL to, to the staff. His title is going to be Senior Defensive Assistant. That, that is what his title will be. Going over some of the other changes, though, um, a very uh, unique situation for the Vikings defense, and that's having co-defensive coordinators. Um, both those coaches addressed the media um, on Tuesday, and it's Adam Zimmer is going to be a co defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach, which is the group he's coached here for six years now. And then Andre Patterson, the longtime uh, defensive line coach with Mike Zimmer, he will be co-defensive coordinator slash defensive line coach, which is also um, his respective position here with Mike Zimmer here and a bunch of other places because he's pretty much been with Zimmer his whole career. So um, looking at these two guys, these are probably the two guys that Coach Zimmer trusts more than anybody in this world. So the fact that he has two of them to uh, help him maybe call plays, he hasn't decided that yet, I think it's only a good thing. And both of these guys are about as selfless as it comes. So um, they're both able to balance um, their position groups while also being – co-defensive coordinators. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it as almost like you've got a, a, a couple of generals that he's promoted underneath him. Like you said, they've been around the block forever. With Andre Patterson, he's seen it all, and that's why you've had as many successful players that have come out from underneath his tutelage. I think it'll be really interesting to see how this goes because I don't think anyone fully feels like Zimmer's willing to completely turn over the reins to his defense, right? Like, this is this is his baby. And I, I just look at these two guys as these are two of the people he trusts the most in that defensive room to try to help come up with the right scheme, to try to help work with two of the most important areas that they have on that defense, being the defensive line and the linebackers. I think this is just his way of kind of promoting them and saying, these are my guys that I trust the most, and these are the guys that I'm willing to work with in order to scheme this thing out the best way possible. Well, you know, Andre Patterson summed it up as good as anybody, and he said, you know what, we're going to come together and be the best the best fist right here. He put his fist out and he said, you know, because us old guys, guys who've been around the block, you could turn the lights off in here and we're just going to take a marker and draw on the board and, and tell Daniil Hunter to figure it out. Sure. And then those younger guys like Adam Zimmer who are kind of more uh, – 
technologically uh, advanced, as one might say. They're going to cut the tape. They're going to throw on the film. They're going to show something on, on, on the computer more. I, it was a very simple way to, to talk about how these two guys are going to blend their their minds together, but the way he explained it, I was like, you know what, that kind of makes sense. So It's basically old school and new school yep. coming together to try to form a perfect union on this stuff. So I, I, I'm i all for it. I, as long as Coach and, and Andre and Adam can kind of come up with whatever the best game plan is, as well as then bouncing that off of, of Mr. Uh, Capers, I think you know, defense is definitely in good hands, and, and it'll be interesting to see how 2020 shapes up for them. The other uh, addition on the defensive side of the ball was Durante Jones, who's in his fifth season in the NFL, uh, previously worked with Cincinnati with the Bengals, and uh, last year was with the Miami Dolphins. Coach Zimmer really likes him and even discuss, discussed him being a potential head coach um, in years to come, which he doesn't say too often about everybody. So um, going to the offensive side of the ball um, – the big thing was consistency. And, yes. and speaking with our quarterback, Kirk Cousins, uh, before he left the building, he's like, yeah, I've had two offensive coordinators since I've been here for two years. I'd really like it if this next one could provide some sort of consistency. And that's exactly what Gary Kubiak is going to do. So Co- Coach Zimmer made Gary Kubiak the uh, offensive coordinator after having him in that senior advisor role uh, for Kevin Stefanski last year. I think it's a good thing that they're they're going to be in the same system, a lot of the same guys returning on the offensive side of the ball, but I think the biggest thing is that Kubiak pr- provides that consistency. 100%, and I think it's nice that you don't have to necessarily start over when it comes to some of the schemes that you put in this past year, especially when you're talking about you know zone-blocking schemes for the running game. And for someone like Kirk, I can't imagine with the amount of offensive coordinators in general that he's had throughout his career, how easy that can be to deal with. As nasty as a position that the quarterback position is to have to know everything, plus all the lingo and the verbiage, I I can't imagine having to go through that every other season and say, okay, now what are we calling this? I think having Gary in here to help solidify what we already knew we were running from before, it's kind of like you're going from, you know, the student was running the the scheme and now you're going to the teacher and the teacher is just jumping back in going, cool, I'm going to lay out everything that I know on this kind of stuff for you guys. And when it comes to the weapons, we don't have to learn a brand new scheme. We don't have to learn new terminology. We can start to, to you know, hone that steel and, and to sharpen the sword to get going for 2020. On the offensive side of the ball, we're going to touch on the other additions. Um, Phil Rauscher comes over. Um, he previously worked in Washington and Denver uh, with that Kubiak uh, staff. He's very familiar with um, what goes on with uh, Coach Kubiak's offensive scheme and the zone blocking scheme that that he's implemented here that Dalvin Cook very much enjoyed this past season. So good to ha- add Phil along, but the spot that Phil is taking is because of our guest today, Andrew Janoko, who's the wide receivers coach now. Um, he he was the assistant offensive line coach for the for the past five seasons, and Janoko fills that wide receiver spot, which. I love seeing the guys who have been around here for five, six years getting rewarded for their time, doing the dirty work. And Janoko, I mean, he's learned from so many of the senior minds on the offensive side of the ball that have come in and out of here in the past five years. And I think it's going to be great. And we had him join the show today. Yep, and it's great. And I think he's excited for his new role here. So let's just jump right in and, and get Andrew's take on what it means for him to take over as the Minnesota Vikings wide receiver coach. All right, we have the Vikings' new wide receivers coach, Andrew Janoko. You've been here for six years now. What is it like 
to have your own room with the Vikings here, being the assistant offensive line coach for, for a bunch of years. That's really exciting. You know, not only to have my own room, have that great opportunity, uh, but to get to work with some great players and some guys that are established in this league, known throughout the league as, as very talented players, very hardworking guys. That's, that's really exciting. You have guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen in the room for you. You know those guys very well. What's it going to be like to actually have them in your room and, and work with them each week? I'm really excited about it. You know, those guys are two pros. They've been around this league for a couple years now. Um, you know, I think I came in the building about two weeks before Stephon Diggs did. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little sooner, but it was the same year when we drafted. I was on the staff that drafted Stephon. So that's that's exciting to get to be with those guys and even a, in a tighter setting now and get to work with them every day hands-on. So since you've been here, there's been like a lot of different offensive coaches. I mean, we've had Shermer here. We've had Sperano with the offensive line. You spoke about that in your press conference, how he kind of just took you under his arm. What has it been like to learn from all these different coaches and now you got your own room? I, you know, you just you want to be an open book and you always want to be learning. And, you know, you see Coach Kubiak every day. He's asking questions when we bring something up, an idea in the room. Yep. He's asking questions because you want the best thing for your, you know, for the team, for your staff, for your position group, whoever you're working with. So it's going to be exciting to take some of those things I've learned from all these great coaches, guys I've been around and apply them into the room every day. When it comes to working with some of the younger guys that are kind of newer and, and establishing themselves in the league and trying to you know make this roster again coming up here in 2020, what are you most excited for working with those guys and to, to kind of get to know them and help them develop? You know, it's just it's always fun to work with some of the talented guys. You know, a guy like like uh, BC Johnson, he did stuff last year on tape that made you say, "Oh wow, this kid, this Absolutely. kid's got a chance. He's going to be a good player. He was productive," and just. You know, trying to find little things for him to develop his game, whether it's a step here, it's shifting your weight there, different things in and out of breaks, uh, stance-wise. That's exciting because then you see them take that, apply it, and have success with it. That's always that's really cool. Going into season six, I guess, what do you feel like for yourself that you're hoping that you can develop and continue to develop here as a coach? Number one, you want to do whatever you can to help this organization be successful. So you're always looking for little things to to. Uh, help the offense, you to help your room, then to help the offense, and to help this team. And it's got to help to have some established veterans in that group who, who can be used as an example, too, for some of those young guys that you were just talking about, like B.C. Johnson. You know, when you're working with that kind of talent, is there anything that you have to, as a coach, kind of go, all right, I know these guys are good, and I'm trying to get everybody else up to the next level. Is there is there a different way that you have to work with those kind of players, or is it just kind of across the board you know where they're at and you're trying to get everybody up to a certain level. I think, you know, every player, every individual is different. So you're always taking an approach with each individual, no matter their skill set or, you know, how many years they've been in the league. You know, what what things can you do to help them be successful? Yep. You know, rather than, okay, this guy's been here for a long time. Oh, he's been doing that for a while. He's new. I think it's just what does this player's, this player's profile, you know, how's he learn? Um, what are the little things I can do to help him improve? That's uh, you know where I try to you know take each individual player and help them become a better player. Great. Seeing the way Stefanski really um, just grew up in this organization, starting out as a quality control coach, coaching pretty much every position. Do you look at that and say, you know what, like that could be me someday? I, yeah, you do. I mean, Kevin, 
Kevin started from a QC and worked his way up. Um, 14 yeah. years being here. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. And But that, that speaks to who Kevin is yep. and speaks to the type of coach he is and uh, the quality person he is. And now he is one of the top 32 in the world yep. in his profession. So, you know, and he, he deserves that. And everybody, we're all really jacked up for him absolutely um i am as well yeah. but you know that that's a, that is something you emulate yep. and if you can emulate and have a career arc like that that's that's amazing you know so it is something that that you look at and say yeah kevin did it really well for this organization for a long time and yeah he, yeah i would like to do that so seeing you with the wide receivers now you were a quarterback in high school and then a backup quarterback at Pitt, and for all that success that you had out there how do you see being a quarterback translating into leading a group of wide receivers? Well, I think it's being back in the pass game realm of things after yep. spending the last couple of years with the run game, being back with the pass game on that side of the ball. If the quarterback's looking at this, yep. this is the way that, that we can make our life, uh, his life a little bit easier and get open and create more targets, more opportunities for ourselves. So we touched that you were under Tony Sperano for a while. Is there any story that you can tell or share with us about your time with him? Obviously, oh, geez. not I, the ones that you can always share with us. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I, I guess the, the one of the ones that always strikes you is whenever his grandkids would show up. He would just lighten up. He right? would just it was it was just a complete uh, game changer. So there would be times when we would try to get his grandkids here, you know, <laughs> just because it would just lighten the mood for even a couple hours. I and love there, that. And I remember there was there was one time and, and they were surprising him. Uh, uh, Jeanette was going to surprise him and bring the grandkids in and it was a rough week I think we were coming off a loss it w wasn't a good meeting and then all of a sudden he saw those kids coming through the door <laughs> and he just became a big teddy bear That's That's awesome. and it was so cool that's usually how Coach Zimmer would describe him when he was looking back on his time here. He was a big teddy bear with Coach Zim. But, yeah, uh, how do you see this offense changing with Kubiak in charge? You know, to me, uh, you're always just looking to evolve for the betterment of your players. Yep. So I think it just starts with, you know, teams change every year and you have new guys in different roles and then finding the ways to better those players and get those players in the best position possible to be successful with the group of guys that we'll have this year and the roster ever evolving, evolving to get the talent and get those guys opportunities and put them in the best situations possible to be successful. Absolutely. Speaking of new guys having to fill some big shoes, uh, how about Phil Rauscher having to step in for you in the offensive line room? Uh, do you have any uh, advice that you would like to give him for being able to step into that room, work with the personalities there, including Mr. Dennison. Phil knows uh, how to coach offensive linemen. I mean, Phil's brilliant. That's great. He's going into an amazing room with a really tight-knit group. There's not a day in there where you, know, you can't go in, and, and if you love football, you love being in that room. And so I, I think you know, less advice and more just enjoy being with that group of guys because that group of guys is a special group of guys. As far as staff walking through the building, when you walk by the O-line room and you're seeing everything dressed up for Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and all the different holidays that are out there, it, it feels like that group in general is a very tight-knit group. And uh, it, it, it's got to be a fun group to be a part of and to see them grow moving forward, it's, it's got to be really rewarding. Yeah, it is. And, and I think it will continue to be, even though I'm not in that room. You know, I told them, I said, if I, I screw up, I, you know, I still want dinged. You know? um, Can you still get fined for talking to us? Uh, I'm getting fined right now. I'm <laughs> yes. Being yes. Up. 
Riley was the I think Riley Reef was the creator of that, or was it was it Tony Sperano? Yo, that that goes back a <laughs> long time. They, they'll have to give you the, they'll have to give you the genesis of all that. Yeah, you can't say much more. There no. you go. We'll, we'll pull them in, and we'll be the ones in trouble on yeah. that one. So that's all good. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us, and congrats on the new position. It's awesome uh, to see you grow, and and all the years that that we've been here, and seeing young guys like grow in the organization is Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for the time. Oh, thanks, guys. All right, well, thanks to Andrew Ginoco. Like I said, awesome to hear um, some stories from Tony Sperano, the late, great Tony Sperano, and uh, it's just some of the times that Ginoco has had here and what, what's gotten him to having his own position group, which is a really big thing for some of these young coaches around here. Um, and we know how much Zimmer values teaching these younger guys and, and, and ha- having them grow within the organization. It's good to see young guys like that to ascend. You know, you talked about that before with Stefanski starting off as a, essentially the coach's, head coach's assistant, working his way all the way to offensive coordinator and now getting his chance out in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I think Andrew, as he said, you kind of look at that as a model for what you p- could potentially do with your career, and I think that that's a good thing to aspire to. So kudos to Andrew. Congratulations. Uh, working with a really talented group, and I hope they have a, a continued success coming up here in 2020. So we're going to move forward, and looking at the offseason timeline, a lot of fans, they don't know exactly what goes on around here. Um, for all these quiet months where we're not in here six days a week, but we're going to take them through some of the big dates going forward. How many times have you been asked the question, so what are you guys doing in the offseason? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing. We're, we're eating bonbons or sleeping under our desks, all that kind of fun stuff in the offseason, right? Yeah, not so much. All right, so we're going to jump in here. Basically, what, what you need to know is that in the very, very near future, in the next three months, there is a boatload of stuff that kicks in for the league's calendar. And technically right now, we're not even in the 2020 league calendar. Uh, that's coming up here in March. But for the next month, there's still a lot of stuff that's getting ready and, and uh, teams are preparing for. So, Chris, do you want to jump in here on a couple of these dates? Yep. The big one is starting on February 24th, the scouting combine in Indianapolis, where it is every year. Um, NFL Network has wall-to-wall coverage of that event. That's where the Vikings and the Vikings Entertainment Network will be there with daily updates, special guests. Our own Ben Lieber um, will be interviewing the experts. He'll be talking to former players. He'll be talking to pretty much anyone he can get his hands on. Um, also, the K-Fan group will be over there. Paul Allen will be doing his show um, live from there, and he has some of his best guests, so we'll have that um, content on Vikings platform. So it's a good week to be a football fan. It's a good week to see the storylines around the offseason of the Vikings. Man, do we have a lot of them. So yep. um, looking forward to that, the 24th through March 2nd, You'll have a lot of football content back, and you'll be ready to get excited for next season. The Combine is essentially the unofficial get-together for all of the teams where it's still kind of loosey-goosey and laid back. Coaches and and GMs are starting to kind of really look at their potential first-round picks if they have them, uh, but trying to figure out how are they going to shape their squad because I think in the offseason when they're looking at tape from all of the college players and the bowl games are done, this is where they kind of start to form their strategy of, of what they're really going to focus on in the draft and try to understand what's going to happen. They can start to kind of talk to some guys, maybe do a little wheeling and dealing to say, hey, you interested in maybe making a move here? They can start to plant some of those seeds. So I think it's it's kind of fun for a lot of people to finally get there and feel like, yeah, football's back and we can start to really make this thing happen. 
Looking forward past that, March 16th is a big date, and that's when teams can officially contact and negotiate with unrestricted free agents. A few weeks before that, they decide on franchise tags and transition player designation window. So for you for you Vikings fans, there's a lot of free. We're not going to touch on all the free agents on this episode. We'll wait a little bit to get closer to that, but the Vikings have a lot of decisions that are going to be made on both sides of the ball, whether they want to keep players, players who have been here for a long time um, it's going to be a very busy offseason for the Vikings in many respects this is probably when the fans really start to pay attention they watch the combine for these different players they're trying to figure out okay well this guy ran a quick 40 and this guy had a nice uh, high jump or long jump but when you start to see the the free agency stuff play out how many times are people watching the tv going when's my team going to make a move when's something going to happen you know this is when people really start to pay attention to what's happening with their rosters and uh, it, it's always fun to kind of see what present they're going to open and start to really start to shape their rosters and, and how it affects their, their salary cap position at that point. And March 18th is when the 2020 league calendar officially flips over. Woo-hoo. So that'll be the Vikings will be on level playing ground with everybody else. Um, free agency officially kicks off at 3 p.m. Central Time that day. So that is a big date to keep in mind if you are a Vikings fan. And then at the end of March, you get to the owners' meetings. We'll yep. have some uh, Vikings Entertainment Network team out there talking to all the experts, um, reacting to some of the free agency moves. Um, we'll speak to the Vikings front office out there. Um, I, I believe that's in, down in Florida this year, which I think I'm going on that trip, so Ooh, I'm very boy. excited about that. You'll definitely be looking <laughs> forward to the warmer weather, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think then we will finally be out of this Minnesota winter. Um, so that will be a good time. And then in April, we get those offseason workouts that begin. Players are finally back in the building. It's a little more lively here, but um, that's a little bit to look forward to. And the NFL draft is at the end of April. It's in Las Vegas this year. I don't know who's going on that trip yet. No one I knows. Think, but I think would... there's going to be a lot of yeah. arm wrestling and uh, <laughs> coin flipping and, and some, you know, throwdowns that are going to happen on that one internally. I, I think the fact that it's in Vegas this year is pretty incredible. The spectacle of what has been leaking or at least being released so far of what they're planning out there, having stages in the Bellagio Fountain and and everything else in Vegas, that is one place that knows how to throw down a party. And especially for something like this, I can't imagine and I can't wait to see what they have going on because it's just going to be bananas. Finishing off, minicamp begins in May, so that will be when we really ramp up, and you'll have all of your Vikings rookies in the building, a whole new group to evaluate. The Vikings are going to have a very active draft this year, so we're we're not going to get into the details yet, but we just wanted to give you a little calendar look at some of the big dates coming up. All of that is only three months away. It's crazy. Three months away. And it's in full swing at that point. So I'm looking forward to it. We got a lot more content coming for you in that time. So check back here and make sure that you keep up to date with everything that's going on. But we look forward to making sure that this offseason is recapped for everybody and that you guys get excited for what's coming in 2020. Until then, we have a big content series that has been already rolled out on Vikings.com. It's the Minnesota Vikings All-Decade Team, which has been announced um, we're going by position group each day for the next two weeks. Um, it started on Monday, yep. so we're a few days into it, but 
Um, this was all started with Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, analyst Pete Bursich, um, Mark Rosen, legendary broadcaster at WCCO, now at KFAN, does a bunch of work for the Vikings Entertainment Network, and ESPN's Kevin Seifert. Um, the four of them broke down their picks for the 2010s through 2019, what yep. their all-decade team was. So I think we're going to go through a few of them today. Yeah, we're going to look at the ones that have already been posted at this point and just kind of break down, I guess, if we agree with what their analysis was on this thing. So for this week, they've they've started off with the offensive side. Uh, Monday, they did quarterbacks. Tuesday, they did running backs and fullbacks. And on Wednesday, they're doing the wide receivers. So I, I think there's some pretty big names that are within these different groups. And, and I don't know if there's a ton of debate that has to happen with these. But, uh, Chris, I'm going to throw this at you. When it comes down to the quarterbacks, there were a couple of names that were thrown out there. I think I have a feeling as to where you might lean on this one. But uh, do you want to give me your take on the quarterback situation for the 2010s? Yeah, the quarterback situation is tough. So I got here in 2015. So I've seen a lot of them. Sure. And we've joked with Kevin Stefanski about this over the years of um, all the quarterbacks that that he coached when he was here. But I got to go with Kirk Cousins. Obviously the joke's there. He's my guy. And I think winning... That one big playoff game in New Orleans really sealed this one for me. Um, Not going to lie, though, I got a lot of love for Case Keenum. He was one of my all-time favorite Vikings in my five years here. Um, Obviously, he led them the furthest um, out of any quarterback in this decade, and it was at a spontaneous, crazy way to come into the season. Um, Case Keenum was Kevin Seifert's pick, Yes, which with only one, not even a full season at quarterback, Kevin Seifert goes with... Case Keenum. No one really picked uh, Teddy Bridgewater, which was a little shocking to me. P.A., Pete, and uh, Mark Rose, and they all went with Kirk Cousins. Teddy was brought up as as part of this discussion, and I think the reason why they, they were, it was as hard as it was for them, was there was always this feeling of trying to get over the hump and get to the point where it was being continued success. And I think when everyone felt like he finally got the cusp of making that happen is when he had his injury. So I think that's why he kind of fell off, at least in this discussion. You know, P.A. Pete and Mark, they all made the same kind of thing with Kirk. They, they said the same thing, which was that one playoff win has a huge stamp on this team right now, feeling like he has the ability to take us even further than he has at this point. And it was against a quality opponent. So the reason why Seifert brought up Case Keenum was basically saying – what the totality of that 2017 season was, kind of the improbability of it with him being essentially a third quarterback on the roster and making the run that he did. That was why Seifert kind of looked at him saying the magic of 2017 was why he picked Case. And I think P.A., Pete, and Mark, they were looking at Kirk saying the body of work that he's done over two years and seeing him kind of continue to improve. I think they're excited for what it means having another year, especially now under Kubiak, for Kirk in this offense. And it's not a bad argument because in 2019, Kirk Cousins had the second best passer rating in Vikings team history. So I, I know we He's got some credentials. We, we got to throw the stats out at you yep. every now and then. So, um, but looking to the next position, yes. and this was the next day, this is a real debate. Now this is like as good of a debate as it gets in 2010 through 2019. Jay, who is your running back for the Vikings All-Decade team? I feel like you're going to have to pick between two very strong candidates. There were there were two essentially runaway answers on this one. In the piece, they said, we're going to look at two specific names. We can pick two people for this position for running back. It wasn't just one. 
the names that came out, uh, obviously, in my opinion, Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook. Those guys have been game changers at that position. Jarek McKinnon had a good run here. Latavius Murray had a good run here. But when it comes to the running back position, Adrian Peterson having an MVP season and Delvin Cook basically taking this offense to a completely different level when he's out there healthy and just running through everybody on the field and it doesn't matter who you are as a defense. Those two guys are undeniable as being playmakers, and I agree with them that Adrian Peterson and Delvin Cook were definitely the running backs of the 2010s. It's really hard for me. Um, I was here. I got to see Adrian Peterson's uh, rushing champion year in 2015. I think you. I mean, I don't. I don't want to like pick one way or the other. But Adrian has just done so much. Yeah. Um, that I think you got to lean towards the guy who's done it for longer. But man, oh man, I am so looking forward to Dalvin Cook and what what he's gonna provide going forward because I think his growth. I think he could uh, reach the heights of Adrian Peterson. That's saying a lot. I think he can go further. So yeah, it, um, it'll be it's going to be fun to watch his career with the Vikings. Adrian was an absolute thoroughbred at running back, where Delvin feels like he is a all around Swiss Army knife for yep. this offense, and he can catch, he can run, he's even pretty dang solid at blocking as well. So I think both of these guys in their own rights with their own styles are going to put their marks on this offense, and it's exciting to have had both of them in purple at this point. When I'm here for the 2020 All-Decade team, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Dalvin Cook. That's, I'm just, that's just something I'm throwing yep. out there. But um, by 2020, there may not be a position for this next group, and it's a position that pretty much is not looked at very uh, highly in the NFL anymore, and that's the fullback group. Yep. And I am a fullback enthusiast. I I love that we have a player that is just so focused on being great at being a fullback, and that's C.J. Ham. But um, looking back at the past 10 years, there's a bunch of names that, that creep through my mind. Um, I threw out Tony Richardson being a Jets fan growing up in New York, but he was a little before. He was just um, before this time. Adrian's r- rookie season, yeah. when Adrian was doing what he was doing, he was learning from T. Rich and had T. Rich in front of him to help set the table for a lot of his runs. But, man, you know, one thing that we've seen with our top flight running backs here at the Vikings is that when they have a solid fullback in front of them, it can pay dividends. And both of these guys, C.J. Ham, and then the other name that came up was Jerome Felton. And I think they're both deserving right now of being looked at as top-tier fullbacks because Jerome was a Pro Bowl fullback, and C.J. Ham just went to his first one, and who knows how many more he's going to get to. But because the running back position has been such a critical part of this offense, having a quality fullback like C.J. Ham or Jerome Felton, I'm willing to listen to argument for both of them. Running through the picks, voice of the Vikings Paul Allen went with C.J. Ham. Mark Rosen went with C.J. Ham. Uh, Kevin Seifert looks like he likes to be different than everybody. He went with Jerome Felton, um, and Pete Bursich went with either C.J. Ham or Jerome Felton. Um, so, yeah, the, the experts are kind of split here. Looking at the statistics um, for fullbacks, it's pretty even. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. I think because, You're blocking for two of the best running backs in Vikings. Yeah. I think Seifert looked at it as you know what Jerome was doing when Adrian was out there and, and seeing the difference between when Jerome was in and when he wasn't and the production difference, that's kind of where he was leaning as to Jerome Felton and how important he was for Adrian uh, for in his career. And so, like I said, I'm I'm on the fence with Pete where I'm going either of these guys. They both had their place and their worth within the offense. And so I'm not going to pick. I'm going to ride the fence, and I'm going to be gutless on that one and just say, yeah, I'm going to go with either one of these guys. They were both great. Looking at the wide receiver group, I mean, you're probably going to think about two guys who are currently on the roster, 
And then there's another guy who was about as electric as any player in the NFL during his first couple years with the Vikings, and that's Percy Harvin. Yes. Um, you can guess who the other two guys are. Where, which way are we going here? Which way did the experts go on, on this one? So they let them pick three for this position, and these guys unanimously were— Took these three. Absolutely. Uh, Diggs, Thielen, and Percy Harvin. I remember when Percy Harvin came in, and actually PA tells the story as well for him as part of the All-Decade team— where he called in to Dan Barrero on one of the very first off-season workouts that he got to see Percy with this team. He calls into the Dan Barrero show and is basically saying, this kid's different than anything else I've ever seen. And if you remember, Percy, when he was doing things like returning punts or when he would get kick returns as well, he, he was so much faster and so much shiftier than anybody else on that field. One of my favorite all-time plays with Percy Harvin was when Brett Favre goes into Lambeau Field in 2009 and takes it to him. There was a play where Brett threw it across the middle. There were three guys covering Percy. Percy jumps up and fingertip catches this ball, and the three Packer defenders all hit each other like the three Stooges, knock over, and Percy basically toe drags into the end zone, and Brett Favre's jumping up and down, grabbing, you know, grabbing Hutch and everybody else, but he was so dynamic as a playmaker. That is the thing that Diggs and Thielen are on this roster at this point. And so I think Percy Harvin, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs are absolutely deserving of being the top three wide receivers of this decade. Yeah, when we want to pick one out of these three, I think a good person to ask will be Dom Capers sure. because he was uh, the defensive coordinator in that game you described, and he'll have uh, – had a couple practices against the other two guys, so yeah. maybe he could help us decide um, who the top wide receiver is. But, yeah, I'd say those three are pretty unanimous. Yeah, so coming up here, we've got tight ends and as well as some special teams guys, and then next week is going to be more focused on the defenders. So keep checking back every single day to see who the new batch of players are. And uh, feel free, social media-wise, to jump in there and give your two cents on who you think should be included on those all-decade teams. If you agree or you don't, feel free, jump in, participate. It's always fun to see what everyone's feelings are in this, and it's always fun to see the, the justification of people coming out of the woodwork to say, I like this guy best. Well, thank you, Vikings fans, for joining us. I know we had a little bit of a break, but we're happy to be back. Um, it's just Jay and I today, but we plan on having a bunch of new talent. The Vikings Entertainment Network anchors and uh, hosts will be joining the Vikings podcast going forward. We plan to do this about once a week, maybe a little bit more during the offseason around big events like the Combine and the Draft and things like that. Ben Lieber will be our guest for next week's show. We want to hear a lot about that college football work um, that he did all throughout the college football season and see maybe where he thinks the Vikings um, will pick and at what what position they will pick. Um, he called a ton of games for Fox throughout the 2019 college football season. Um, there's a lot on the horizon here, as we discussed. Um, we have some flash briefings coming back on your smart speakers, so look, look forward for those as well. And it's just great to be back. I'm, I'm happy to be back on the positive train. We were down there for a little bit, just like you Vikings fans. We feel it, too. I mean, it was tough. It's hard being in the building and, and having the buildup and the excitement and just kind of have the season come to the end when it did. But as always, there's always kind of the future to look forward to. I'm going to steal one of PA's bits and say the title's in Tampa this year. And uh, hopefully for us, we can make sure that we bring you everything you need to know to get up to speed. And uh, we really look forward to working with you guys and having you guys be a part of this. So keep tuning in, keep checking out the website, keep checking out social media, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week.